0: I hope that last song sinks deeply into your heart. We just sang that line because He gave us everything and now what do, we, what do we give to God? We give Him our lives. We give Him our hearts. We're glad you're here today, uh, whether you're in person or online, we're glad that you've, you've joined us. Uh, I want to say just a word at the very beginning, uh, Paul McGlott, who's been a member of our congregation for quite a few years, this is his last Sunday with us. Paul where are you? He's around here someplace. Um, Good to have Paul with us. There he is, Paul McGlatt. Great to have you, brother. This is last Sunday with us. He's going to be moving up to New York, so when you um, see him today, be sure and um, welcome him, encourage him, and and say a word of blessing to him as he goes on to to New York. Um, In late spring of last year, right after all of the tornadoes, you may recall we had another storm blew in. Uh, And some straight-line winds affected us, uh, tore some shingles off of the roof of our building, um, and it really messed up our sign. And so that created an opportunity for us to ask the question, what do we want on that sign? Uh, We started doing some research. Johnny Markham came up with some statistics. We found out that 9,000 cars every day travel down Leeville Pike. And if there are 2.7 people in every car, that's something like a little over 24,000 people have the opportunity to see our sign. Every month, that turns out to 729,000 people. So suddenly, we began thinking, it's pretty important what that sign looks like and what that sign says. So that gave us an opportunity to begin thinking about it. And so we developed a a symbol after some prayer and conversation. Uh, A symbol looks like like this. And if you look closely, you'll see there are two letters, C and H, standing for College Hills. But but they're connected right in the center. You see how the C and the H is connected. And that, that says something about who we are. Because as a church, we're interested in being connected with God and connected with one another. We, in fact, believe we were created for connection with God. If you go back to the very beginning of your Bible, in Genesis chapters 1 and 2, we see that originally Adam and Eve had this close and abiding and intimate relationship with God. But then sin entered the picture, and disobedience, and as a result of that, there was this disconnection. The relationship changed. And so instead of closeness, there's distance. Instead of joy, there's, there's shame and fear. Instead of openness, now there's hiding. And even though Adam and Eve early on experienced some severe consequences of their sin, God, God shows Adam and Eve grace. In fact, in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 21, it says that God kills an animal. Blood is shed, and God makes garments for Adam and Eve. They're they're hiding and cowering. They've sewn garments for themselves out of leaves. but, But God makes more permanent garments for them, skins to clothe this very couple. And understand, this was God's initiative, God's doing. It was God's grace. And when I read this story in Genesis 3, I I fast forward thousands of years later to that moment when more blood is shed, when Jesus goes to the cross and gives his life for us. Blood is shed for us. And if we will trust Jesus' finished work on the cross, then understand we'll be clothed in righteousness. Adam and Eve were clothed, but now now we have the opportunity to be clothed in the righteousness of Christ. In fact, in Galatians chapter 3 and verse 27, it says that uh, those of you who are baptized into Christ have been clothed in Christ. And so we can take off those old, dinky, uh, uh, stinky, dirty, grave clothes of sin, and we're wrapped up in the grace clothes of righteousness. When the Lord looks at us now, He sees His sons and daughters. And so my my question for you today is, have you taken that step of faith? My question for you today is, where are you in relationship to God right now at this very moment? What word would you use to describe that relationship? Would you use words like shame and fear? Would you use a word like distance or have you taken that step of faith and now you know that you're clothed in the righteousness of Christ? And so today, if you've never taken that step of faith, that initial step, there's no better day than today and no better time than right now to make that decision. But once you've taken that step of faith, the relationship is restored. Understand we have this deep and abiding connection now with God. And we read these verses a few moments ago in 1 John chapter 1, and I don't want to reread it. 1 John 1, especially verse 3, where, where John says, We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard, so that you also may have fellowship with us, and our fellowship is with the Father, with His Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. John is saying that just like we have fellowship together. We can have fellowship. We can have a relationship with the Father through His Son. Now I love those first two verses that Alex read for us earlier because in those first two verses John says we, we've seen Him. Our eyes have beheld Him. Uh, we've touched Jesus. We have this amazing relationship and connection with the Lord. And so amazingly if you think about those early disciples they could have ask Jesus questions. Hey, Lord, what do you think about so-and-so? Or they could have asked him whatever. They, They had this intimate and close relationship with him in a real and physical way. It was, no doubt, a personal relationship with Jesus. And it's easy for us to say, well, that was then, and now, this is is now. And our relationship with the Lord is different. It's it's not like that. We're, We're not literally in the presence of Jesus. And I guess, to some extent, I would agree with that. You might even say, well, I'm not sure we can have a personal relationship with the Lord. I think we're at a severe disadvantage because we can't have conversations with Jesus like the disciples could. In John's earlier book, The Gospel of John, Jesus is coming near the end of His ministry. And He says some things to His disciples that at first um, startled them. It, It made them deeply concerned, deeply upset. In John chapter 16, verses 6 and 7, Jesus says this, You're filled with grief, Because I've said these things. Jesus said, I'm I'm going away from you. Um, And and so they're struggling with that. They're struggling with the fact that the relationship seemingly is going to change because they're no longer going to be in the physical presence of Jesus. You're filled with grief because I've said these things, but very truly I tell you it is for your good that I'm going away. The disciples heard this, and we even today hear this and think to ourselves, what, for our good? We don't see how that could be advantageous we don't see the upside Lord of you going away from us and then Jesus says this in the latter part of verse 7 unless I go away he says it should be on the screen unless I go away the advocate will not come to you but if I go I will send him to you isn't that interesting He's saying, unless I go away, well, then the Holy Spirit will not come to live in you and among you. What he's saying, in essence, is God with us is good, but God in us is even better. You see, we can have a personal relationship with the Lord because of the ongoing presence of the Holy Spirit. When Jesus ascends into heaven... It does not mean that's the end of Jesus' presence and work in and among us. It's really just the beginning. And so in 1 John chapter 3 and verse 24, it says this, And this is how we know that He lives in us. We know it by the Spirit He gave us. This is how we know that Jesus is in us. We know that because now he has given us his spirit. And then he says in chapter 4 and verse 13 of that same book, this is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us of his spirit. Think about the closeness of that relationship. We live in Jesus, and Jesus lives in us. Well, how is that so? That is because as, as followers of the Lord, He has given us the Holy Spirit. But friends, if this relationship is going to flourish and thrive, like any relationship, we know that it must be nurtured. It needs to be tended to. And so one of the greatest resources in the hands of the Holy Spirit to help nurture and tend to that relationship, is God's Word. I think I mentioned last week that the elders and ministers got together in early part of December. And we thought about, we reflected on 2020, then we looked forward to 2021. And one of the decisions we made as a group was, we want to challenge our congregation this year to go deep in the Word. Uh, We want to make sure that that we as men and women are reading the Word and and thinking about the Word and praying and even fasting. Uh, We want to nurture that connection with God through reading the Bible in a consistent and daily way. I came across some research several years ago, and the question was raised, what's the single greatest predictor of spiritual growth? Now, you might have a lot of things on your list I mean, what is it that we need to do so that we'll thrive and grow spiritually? Someone might say, well, we need to be in church. I I would agree with that. Somebody else says, we need to make sure that we're serving and, and our focus is on others, not on ourselves. Well, certainly that's the case. Someone else says, we need to pray, absolutely. But these researchers found the single greatest predictor of spiritual growth is this. Individual interaction with the Word of God at least four days a week. And so if you want to make the decision this year to thrive and to grow, it's important to be here, it's important to to be online if you can't be here, it's important to do all those sorts of things, but none of that takes the place of your own individual time in the Word of God. And so as we said, we want to challenge you this year to be in the Word of God, to be serious about daily Bible reading. And so... So we uh, have have a resource that we're going to provide for you at the very end of our service. Here's what I know. It takes 30 days for something to become a habit. And we become what we repeatedly do. And so uh, we put together a, a Bible reading plan for not 30 days, but 40 days. When you leave in just a few moments, you're going to be given this one of these booklets. It'll be in the very back. It'll be in the back of the auditorium, but they also have a couple of places in the foyer where you can get one of these booklets. And this little booklet looks, looks back to 2020, and it gives you some of the highlights, some of the things that we did, and it looks ahead to 2021. It's got some budget information as well, but the next to the last page, the very last page is a calendar of events, and the next to the last page is this little 40-day reading plan, and the reading plan begins today. And what the reading plan does, it gives you the big story. It starts in Genesis 1 and 2. They're more, no more than two or three chapters a day. And it goes through the end of, of Revelation. And so if you want to, in the next 40 days, spend time reading and thinking about the big story of the Bible, well, then this, this booklet will help you to do that. You know, as you look in Scripture, you see that, that Moses spent 40 days with God at Sinai. The spies went into the Promised Land. They stayed 40 days. Jesus spent 40 days praying and fasting before he began his ministry. It seems like God will use 40 days to prepare us for something. And so we as a church want to spend 40 days reading the Word of God. And my prayer is that that will foster an even deeper connection you have with the Lord. And so we as a church are about connecting with God, but we're also about connecting with one another. And so a moment ago we read 1 John 1, verse 3. It says, we proclaim to you what we've seen and heard so that you may also have fellowship, koinonia, a a relationship with us. In the garden, because of sin, both our relationship with God was, was affected and our relationship with our brothers and sisters. The very next chapter, in Genesis chapter 4, you have the story right after Adam and Eve and their their sin. In Genesis chapter 4, you have the story of Cain and Abel. And you know how Cain kills Abel. And what is the Lord teaching us? The Lord is saying to us that our relationship to our brother is also important, and sin affects that. Not only have we lost connection to our father, but understand We've lost connection to our brother. As we look at our divided world, we certainly see that. But the good news is, in Christ, the connection with our father is restored and the connection with our brothers and sisters, it's also restored. And so in order to thrive and grow spiritually, we need a relationship both with God and with one another. It's absolutely important that we tend to that relationship with God, but it's also significant and very important that we tend to the relationship we have with our brothers and sisters. One of the lessons I've learned during this pandemic is how deeply I need my brothers and sisters. I've learned that, and I appreciate so much what we've done online, but I've learned as good as that is and as wonderful as that experience can be, There's nothing like being in the presence of a brother or sister. There's nothing like being together and worshiping all together. And my prayer is that as more and more of us get vaccinated and as this virus begins to run its course and as more and more of us get more comfortable, uh, that we will once again uh, be back together again. We need each other in order to thrive. We, We need each other for encouragement. I don't have to tell you how hard this year's been. It's been a year of anxiety and fear and loss and stress. And because we understand that, one of the things we also talked about in that leaders meeting is we need to provide resources to our people who might need counseling. And so you'll notice the last couple of weeks in our bulletin we've been talking about how we now have this more formalized relationship with agape Agape counseling, and we would love for you to take advantage of that. Or uh, we have other counselors available as well. We want to create a culture of care. And so if you're struggling, if you're anxious, if you have all kinds of fear or loss or worry, we want you to seek out a good Christ-based Counselor I, in my own life. I've I've spent time with good counselors over the years good men and women and uh, And it's been very helpful to me, and so we want to encourage you Also, we need connection with each other Because we understand we can accomplish far more together than we can individually I Looked at some things we did last year and as I was looking at some of these numbers I thought to myself, you know, we couldn't do this alone but together, it's, it's exciting what God can do. Things like we helped the Pregnancy Help Center. We collected 5,500 diapers and 8,400 wipes. That'll help a lot of babies and a lot of families. And we couldn't have done that alone. I couldn't have done that. But as God's people, we came together, and we, we can do far more together than we could alone. Last year, we helped Through our Compassion Center, we help feed over 450 families. I can't do that, but we can all together. As I mentioned last week, we packed 934 Magi boxes. We gave out right near 1,000 backpacks during school store, our drive through school store. But not only do we hand out backpacks, you may recall we we gave uh, school supplies, uh, pens, pencils, glue, paper, and on and on, clothes, on and on it goes. And not a single one of us can do that by ourselves. But together, it's amazing what God does. We take our little loaves and fishes and we put them in the hands of Jesus. And Jesus, in this miraculous way, multiplies our meager efforts and does far more with it. I marvel sometimes at the idea of the church. Here's a group of people, so different in many ways, who come together with the singular purpose of blessing others in the name of Jesus. A group of people who are united like this, who are, who are united in mission and purpose. It's an incredible testimony to a very divided world. When, we, when you have a group of people who come together in the name of Jesus, focused on Jesus' mission, it gives us an opportunity to point to the Christ who brings us together. Understand, we don't exist for ourselves. What other organization is like that? We exist to bless other people. Tomorrow we'll celebrate Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s birthday. And Dr. King once said something I thought was so, so powerful. He said many things were powerful, but I like this. He said, life's most persistent and urgent question is, what are you doing for others? And that's a question your leadership is asking all the time. How How can we be a blessing to our community? And so I I'm not bashful at all for asking you to give financially to our mission. Our mission is too significant. Our mission is too important for, for me to not ask you to give generously. Jesus teaches us it is far more blessed to give than to receive. And I've learned this so many times in my own life. There are those seasons of my life when I'm giving generously, and it's amazing how God how God blesses in unexpected and surprising ways. Part of what it means to be a disciple is to give generously. And so, you know, we can give to good causes, and that's wonderful. I do as well. But, But my first commitment is to the church for which Jesus gave His very Life. My first commitment is to give to the one entity on this planet whose sole mission is to make and nurture disciples of Jesus. We have missionaries we need to support and people we need to help both globally and locally. Ministry that needs to continue to grow and thrive. And so I ask you when you leave today to take a look at this this publication we put together. Look at some of the things we did last year. Look at the things that we're anticipating doing this coming year and ask yourself the question, how can I give to the Lord so that that vision can become a reality? I'm so grateful for your generosity last year. I mean, it really was amazing. In, the, in a year like we experienced, this pandemic where people were struggling, some of you struggling financially, some lost jobs, and yet God was so amazing as he blessed our congregation financially. We ended so well last year and so we were able to uh, to accomplish the things we wish to accomplish. Over the next few weeks leading up to our first vision offering, our Vision Sunday offering is coming up in three weeks, February the the 7th. We're going to tell some stories designed to inspire you, to help you see these wonderful stories of surprising generosity because we saw a lot of that last year. This year our, our quarterly vision target is, go back one slide, y'all, there we go, is $82,438. That's our quarterly vision target. And then our weekly offering, and you can go to the next slide, our weekly offering budget is $27,596. Both of those numbers were adjusted down from last year's target <clears throat> goals because we had a difficult year in this, this pandemic year. And so the question I ask you today is what is it we're trying to do what is it we're striving to do as a church? As a church, we're striving to help you find a sense of connection with God. And so as a result of that, we're we're asking and challenging you to read the Bible uh, every day and uh, to be involved in our Bible reading pl- uh, plan, to fast and pray, pray. And my my prayers that over these next 40 days, God will begin to revive us. God will begin to work in our hearts. But we also said our goal is to be more deeply connected to each other. Now, more than perhaps at any other time in my memory, we need each other. We need a sense of connection. During a time of unrest and division and fear, we need to love each other and encourage each other so that when other people look at the church... They see a body of people that doesn't always agree on everything. We don't. You name it, we don't agree on it. But the one thing we agree about, we agree about Jesus. And as folks look at the church, they will see a church that's so united and so supportive and so so beautiful that it then gives us an opportunity to tell others the story of how we can be so united. And it's because of Jesus. It's because of the Prince of Peace. It's because of the one who's brought us together in relationship to God and relationship to each other. And so let me, be, let me end today by asking the question I began with. Do you feel the sense of connection to God? Maybe right now there's a sense of distance. We would love to have conversation with you about that. Maybe for some of you today, you need to take that initial step of faith. You need to put your trust in Jesus. Turn away from an old life that leads nowhere, and place your trust in Jesus. Or maybe some of you are thinking, I'm not really connected to, to, to the church. Maybe, maybe I'd like to be a part of this congregation. Maybe you've been visiting. You've never joined our journey. We would love to have conversation with you about that as well. Today, if you have a need, we can help you with. Come as we stand and sing.